All right, hello and welcome back to the Long Ball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You're listening to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother Barney. How are you, Barney? You okay? Yeah, I'm all right, man. I'm just I'm not, I'm trying to get myself comfortable because I've I've sold we sold our desk, so I've, I've got nothing to. <laughs> Times are hard. I've got the laptop on my. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've got the laptop on my lap and the microphone next to me, but. I wondered why my view of you was pretty much just of your chest. <laughs> yeah, I need to I need to sort out. I might sit down on the floor actually. You might agree. Um, but I'm good, man. How are you? Did you have a good trip to Lisbon? I did, man. Oh, I'm so I'm so pleased that I went. Yeah, it was such a nice trip. I got back from Lisbon last week on last week Tuesday. I already miss it. The trip went so quickly. Uh, but yeah, I had such an amazing time. It felt like a real privilege to be to be able to travel abroad. You know, these times I did feel very lucky, so I'm very grateful that I was able to do it. Um, big shout out to the local Boots who took 140 pound off me total in Ooh. in tests, <laughs> uh, and then we get home and then two days later they announced that. Oh, by the way, from October you don't need to do the 70 pound test anymore. Anyway, I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. <laughs> I've still just got the nice memories of a nice trip, and that's all I'm thinking about. Not thinking about anything else. But no, it's great to be back doing this because I feel like it has been a little while since we since we last did a show, right? It has been. It feels like ages away. I mean, we're so used to doing this. We're so used to doing the show every single week, talking about it constantly over the weekend that you know we mm. have one week off and and it feels like uh, it feels like we missed a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I, I, I hope people realize because last year what we did thirty five episodes in a in a season yeah. where there was thirty four games. You know, we're, we're pretty consistent. Um, yeah. sometimes you know life gets in the way life gets in the way sometimes you've got a desk to sell sometimes you've got a desk to sell in fact I'm <laughs> going to move right now because this is not working <laughs> well yeah as we said uh, thank you to everybody who's been listening so far this season we've had a fantastic response to the show in our second series had a couple of weeks off in the last month or so uh, due to holidays and work stuff but yeah delighted to be back um, we also need to say a massive massive thank you uh, to the legend that is Mr. Tom Kunder, who has very, very kindly offered to host our podcast on the Portugal website. So if you are one of uh, our new listeners, listening to us for the first time, who's found us on Portugal, we want to say uh, a very big welcome to you. As Barney mentioned, we've got a wealth of episodes from the last season, should you wish to dig through them. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we did an interview with Jamie Farr, another contributor to Portugal.net. That was a kind of season so far roundup, if you want to go back and listen to that. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot though, Barney. For anyone who is new listening, uh, how would you describe the show? What would you say you can expect from us? Well, we're very focused on um, the league, aren't we? We we sort of yeah. we, we try to give a, a weekly roundup of the games that happened. You know, we, when we started, we said we didn't want to just be heavy on the big three we want to try and include all the teams because and give people a bit more of a you know a story and understanding of some of these lesser teams we just get less press because uh the big three are so dominant particularly in in the uk you know it's, it's very rare you'd hear about a, a team from lower in the league and yeah i mean we're, we're just a couple of guys like football we're not journalists we're not analysts we're like you know um people might think we chat a lot of rubbish but you know we, don't, we just we, we love a football and um and we're absolutely in love with this league yeah, it's uh, it's always a bit lighthearted, but we'd like to think it's it's very informative. And as Barney mentioned, we've got a lot of stuff coming up, a lot of games to get through, and we'll be dealing with not just the top end of the table, but the bottom of the table already. One thing that we won't be able to quite deal with this week, Barney, that we missed last week was, of course, 
uh, the start of the Champions League, three Portuguese clubs in the Champions League. Not many good results. I thought Porto fared best. They managed to get a nil-nil uh, against Atletico. I mean, I thought they were unlucky not to win the game. And then obviously Benfica and, and Sporting. Sporting in particular struggling in the Champions League, which was um, yeah a bit of a disappointment. Champions League returns next week. The show comes out on the Wednesday. Champions League returns on the Tuesday. Yeah, and we're looking forward to covering those games uh, on future shows. The one thing we wanted to put out to you, the listeners, though, was an idea that we had. Obviously, with a show coming out on a Wednesday, it makes it quite difficult to cover European football in depth. So this is the brainchild of Barney, really. But Barney's come up with a great idea about possibly doing a little European bonus show, which might come out on a Friday or a Saturday. Uh, dealing with the games of the week so yeah give us a shout we're on twitter at longballfootball if you think that's something um, that you might be interested in just let us know and uh, we'll see if we can put something together for more of the European games in the future yeah I'd love to know what people think about that if if you want to hear our opinions on that um, you might be because- sick of us already if so <laughs> <laughs> if so let us know <laughs> um, but I mean yeah I, I would love to be able to spend a bit more time chatting about you know these this, the big three in Europe because it's I mean after this first round of games it already looks like it's going to be a fascinating group stage isn't it and I, I mm. just look at see how these teams work themselves out and and fare against some some big names absolutely and look, as much as we love you know the little stadiums the small teams there is a little bit of magic that comes with the Champions League I mean my first ever live football match in Portugal was a Champions League game so it definitely is something that that we want to cover more well look, let's not waste any more time Let's get straight into the show and dig into some of these games from the Premier League this week. Uh, and I think we're going to start with the biggest scoreline of the week, and that was Porto, who managed to put five goals past Morales in an impressive 5-0 win. Two goals from Medi Taremi, two from Luis Diaz, and Pepe's first goal in a Porto shirt. Rounded off a uh, fantastic uh, exhibition from the men from Porto. Now, Usually in a game that we cover, Barney, there's one standout performance. There's this one story, that one player that you want to pick up on. For me, this game had three standout performers, Luis Diaz, Mediterranean and the youngster Fabio Vieira, who got a hat-trick of assists in the game. Now, Luis Diaz, I thought, had the type of performance that he's been threatening to have for a very long time. One where he shows from start to finish throughout the whole 90. Why? In my opinion, this co- this guy could be the next multi-million pound export from Portugal uh, to one of the world's biggest clubs. Absolutely unplayable on the day. Lethal on the counter-attack. Great pace. Great dribbling. Uh, amazing finishing. Good decision-making. And pretty much everything he displayed that we know that he's capable of. I think part of this, Albert, and particularly in this game, you know, it's thanks to the change in formation. It, mm. we seen, you know, you were calling for this going 4-3-3 three, three the whole of last year you, uh, I remember you every game every week like, oh he's got to change <laughs> up and I should I should I should say you know Porto performed incredibly well in Europe playing the 4-4-2 formation conscious I was tried and tested thing but this system I think that system works best at high class opposition you know and a lot of Porto fans have been calling for a different team in the league against teams like Marines and oh it was an absolute dream. It was so, so good. I thought, it, as you mentioned, it really brought out the best in Luis Diaz. He was given far more license to, you know, attack and, and, and just be as far high up as the pitch as he wanted to. And then uh, and another massive factor for me, Albert, is simply the fact that Fabio and Vieira Vitinha were playing together in that midfield. I think it just mm. completely changed the face of this Porto team. Absolutely. And those two players together, I think, you know, I think Fabio Vieira played slightly further forward than Vitinha, was rewarded with his three assists. 
absolutely vital in the counter-attack as well. You see the number of times they countered, the ball went through Fabio Vieira. I think it was a couple of times he even took the ball off Medi Taremi to make things happen. So, you know, those are two players as well, Vitinha and Fabio Vieira, two players who've not had many minutes this season and they will both now be demanding a place in that lineup, surely, particularly Vieira, who I don't know how you drop him now. Obviously, it's going to be difficult. He came in for Tony Martinez and, and changed the formation with that, you know. And Tony Martinez, who scored a lot of goals and we wanted to come back into that team. So I don't know how Constantin is going to manage that, where he's going to fit them in. But yeah, Fabio Vieira made a really, really good name for himself in this game. Added Fatinha. And it's so fascinating because... You mentioned how we talked about Porto last season. It's exactly what we were saying. They did really well in the Champions League and we gave them the credit for what they did in the Champions League every time they played. But the criticism we had of them in the league was they never took a team to the cleaners that they should do, you know, a smaller team that they should be beating. They seem to be playing the same kind of conservative style against teams in the the mid-table and the lower table where really they should be uh, ready to absolutely trounce these teams as they did today. So I think we really saw what Porto are capable of if Constantin kind of lets them off the leash a bit, you know, lets them go and play their football uh, yeah, and go out and get a great result. So I think that's really what we saw today. Um, I mentioned Taremi Barney. Now, obviously, as I said, no Tony Martinez in this game. So maybe Taremi kind of resumed his striking responsibilities, I think. It's, I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, how his role might have to change if, if Tony Martinez is stepping up and they're going to share those striking responsibilities. He was getting a lot of assists, but wasn't getting those kind of goals that I know he would want for you know his own reputation, really. So he took back on the, the goal-scoring responsibility in this game. And I think he really showed why he is one of the highest-rated strikers in this league. Very well-taken penalty, but of course the highlight was his second goal, Porto's third goal, when he pounced on Matthias Passanato's drop catch and flicks it over the keeper, buries it into the back of the net. And that was a really, really fantastic finish. That was so classy. I mean, I, I think it's easy to forget about Trent, but just because of the way he's, I don't know if it's his build or whatever, but he, he looks like a, a rugged number nine, if you know what I mean. But he's, you know, you think of that bicycle kick in the Champions League last year, and this guy has got real, real skill. Um, he, he's, he's fantastic. And I think perhaps better suited to playing as a lone striker than, say, Tony Martins would be, perhaps. I think he's obviously, he obviously did it at Rio Ave when he had his breakthrough season. Um, and I think, you know, just him being the, the furthest, furthest man forward, because when Tony when he's playing alongside Tony Martinez, he is the one to drop a little deeper. So this really benefited him. I mean, I've mentioned him already, but I just wanted to give a little bit more praise to Vitinha because, you know, Fabio Vera, like we've mentioned, I think he's joint top in the league for assists after having only played 18 after minutes. After one game. That, yeah. <laughs> but Vitinha, what I liked, well, Blessing Lomeno on Twitter put this, and I think uh, and I think this is completely true. He said, Vitinha plays a completely different football. It's an unpredictable football, which doesn't always do the obvious, doesn't look what's inside the box. And I think that was it's spot on when describing because when you watch the game you, you, you see the way the play is building up and Fatinho would get the ball and you're like right this pass is going outside and then no there's a little one inside and and as, and as a, an opposing player your body and your momentum quite often you know you'd follow the flow of the passing and it, it looks like from going from one side to the other and so in those moments when Fatinho is playing those you know disguised passes it just gives that extra second to Luis Diaz or, or João Mario out wide and it just lets them set themselves and, and take an extra chance. And I felt like this really helped Porto look so much more accomplished going forward in this game. A little bit of unpredictability, perhaps. And you know what? You talk about that and my instinctive response is to almost kind of feel a little bit 
of sympathy therefore for Bruno Costa because I feel like as much as we praise Bruno Costa a bit for his adaptability and and filling into a central midfield role that he probably wasn't quite accustomed to he didn't really offer that kind of uh, unpredictability that uh, that Patina did and, and maybe he's going to be the one who you know offered so much in terms of being adaptable and and, and playing any position that Contessao wanted but as you say I don't think he really provided the same creativity that, that Patini did in this game. But then, you know, to be Fezzer Costa, he hasn't been give, allowed to. He's been he's been asked to do very mm, much exactly. a, a, a number six job. So, you know, if he gets put into this new, uh, this formation, I think he could, he could offer a bit more as well. But, you know, the two young boys in midfield for me just really stole the show in this game. Mm, plenty of people stealing the show for Porto and we're heaping a lot of positivity on that at the moment. But of course, it's worth saying that a lot of that positivity is only really possible because of how poor, particularly Morarens were. Uh, I thought, I don't know what you make with them, Barney, because they're right down near the bottom of the table now. Three points, zero wins all season. They've got a negative seven goal difference. And after such of a positive year last year, when I praised them so much, they let Vasco Seattle go in the summer. They brought in Jao Henriquez. It's not worked so far. I thought defensively they were so bad in this game. If you want evidence of that, for anybody who's not watched the game, go back and watch the highlights and just watch the fifth goal from Pepe and how easily Pepe waltzes into the six-yard box for a tap-in. Obviously, you could say at that point they're already 4-0 down, only a few minutes left to go in the game. Maybe the defenders have kind of given up a bit, but it just demonstrates that they were so bad at the back, nowhere near solid enough, uh, and I think really made you know made it easy for Porto to put on the show that they did. I think uh, Prozima Giordano uh, tweeted that at this outrage, you know, despite them scoring the fourth most goals in the league this season, they are yet to win a game. And I think that's, mm. that, that tells a hell of a lot. And, you know, they've got players like Rafael Martins, Felipe Perez. So I, I thought Perez are pretty good in this game, by the way. But they must, they must go over the cracks for me. They've either let, needed late goals to get an equaliser so far in the league or they've conceded one to lose a game. You know, remember that Santa Clara game when they thought they'd squared it in injury time and then they just threw it away. And and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of similarities to Jao Henriquez's time in Vittoria here because, and maybe I was harsh to him back then, but the, it seems to be the same thing out where there's, there's no real plan in the game, there's no real style and, and they are relying on their star players to, to do something to get a goal. And I, the, the only thing to sort of counter that really is to say they're clearly put under severe restrictions in the summer in terms of their recruitment. There, there hasn't been nearly enough quality coming in particularly in that defensive line which is a, a clear problem but still I think there needs to be a more collective movement from Henriquez in, in sort of getting this team together having a bit of an identity having a bit of stability because they could be in real trouble man well it's funny because when Henriquez first came into Vittoria last season I thought to his credit he did bring that stability at the probably the expense of uh, some of the more creative players in the side and I think you bring Jarrah Henriquez into a team to solidify your team and, and kind of make them more and more and more stable, really. Uh, but clearly, he's not had that effect so far this season. But as you say, very weak in defensive line compared to other teams in the league. The one thing I have to say as well, Barney, is uh, disappointingly, Matos Passanato uh, had a very poor game. One of yeah. the goalkeepers that I, I liked a lot last season, uh, but really a game to forget for him. Two errors for me, which directly led to goals. I thought, obviously, a very poor kick that led to Porto's second uh, which um, Luis Diaz pounced on and a failed catch, which led to their fourth uh, and a very bad day at the office all round and a, a definitely a game to write off for Morrowinds. Well, let's move on, Barney. Let's do Benfica versus Boa Vista. 3-1 to Benfica, that game ended and two goals for Darwin Nunes 
another goal for Julian Weigel and the consolation coming from Gustavo Sauer. Now, Benfica by any interestingly are one of only three teams in the top six leagues in Europe with a 100% win record, the other two being PSG and Napoli. So I think that really shows the strength of the season they're having so far. The story of the game for me, though, Barney, and the man of the match in my book has to be Darwin Nunes after his two very well-taken goals. And I'm watching the game, Barney, and I'm thinking, what is all the fuss about? I mean, Darwin had such a good game and he showed exactly what he should be doing up front. It does annoy me how people are so quick to write off footballers, right? Uh, And I think people have been guilty of doing that to Darwin. He's been written off by so many people and... I'm not saying to you he's going to be the next Cavani, he's going to be the next Suarez, but he's a perfectly decent striker. I think everybody just kind of calms down, gives the guy a break, lets him get on with his football, gives him a run of games. He will score goals, especially at this level. And I think I'm including George Jesus in that list because I don't think, I said it before, I don't think George Jesus managed the situation with Darwin well enough. I think you can tell that Darwin is the type of player uh, to let things get into his head. You know, maybe when he's going through a quiet patch, when he's not scoring goals to kind of amplify the situation, make things worse. And I don't think George Jesus managed that situation really by by dropping him and and uh, not playing him enough. Because we've seen it in this game. The boy's got in more than enough quality to perform well and get the goals that you need from him at this level. Absolutely. And I, like you said, he, he seems to be a confidence player, doesn't he? He, he, he? he seems to improve when he's he's got a good run going on. And... You know what? They're going to need that this season. Because yeah, had a good game, but obviously did get on the score sheet. But and at the start of the season, when Yeremchuk came in, I felt like not only some fans, but Jorge Jesus as well. But he seems to be the only striker he they trusted to be a goal scorer. But that's not going to be enough throughout this long season. And they need to pay like Darwin to contribute. And yeah, like you said, he certainly has so far. I thought it was brilliant. Albert, my man of the match was Rafa actually. And I, because I think he's, I think he's so important to this team, particularly in this three-four-three formation. The the tactical lemon podcast. Have you listened to it yet? They talk about this so well. So I, I recommend everyone to listen to, listen to that podcast. But I, I will repeat one point they make on it about Rafa is is how good he is on the turn. Because you know, unlike Darwin or even from what we've seen from Everton so far, Rafa can receive the ball and quickly turn and that momentum and like bang he's, he's turned the get he's turned the momentum of the game the Benfica team are attacking with pace and it, it just allows them to get players in behind which Jorge Jesus wants to do and uh, players like Uremchuk and Darwin were brilliant at sprinting forward stretching the Burvista back line and then Rafa was just operating in that hole and it, it, it just worked so perfectly and I, I you know, we criticised Rafa a few times last season when he wasn't able to grab games by the scruff of the air. But I feel like he's he's going about his business quietly, and he, he he's he's one of their star players in this team. Yeah, and just quickly reiterate what Barney said: the Tactical Melon Podcast, great new podcast. Oh, f- did I say lemon? Oh, you said Tactical Lemon. <laughs> <laughs> the Tactical Melon Podcast, great podcast about about tactics in 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 the Portuguese league. I think they've got a couple of episodes out now, so definitely go and dig that out. But no, I totally agree with with what you're saying about Rafa. He definitely impressed me in this game. And you know what? I think with him, there's a very similar issue to what I was talking about with Darwin, where. Um, I think he had a bad season last year, and people, you know, probably us included. Uh, wrote him off for a little bit but look you know they put him back in the team and lo and behold he's playing well again uh, and I think you know he's he's just another example of how you know maybe this is something in the culture at Benfica and you know I don't want to be unfair it's probably in the other big clubs as well in Portugal and big clubs all around the world but him and Darwin for me are definitely examples of how if Benfica don't 
completely write off these players at the first opportunity. You know, maybe you've been through a bad run of form. If you stick by them and give them a chance, maybe they'll come good and that will benefit the team because now you're looking at Rafa uh, as a new option that they didn't have last season. So, you know, it, it really does it really does benefit uh, Benfica overall. You know, a player that we both completely wrote off at the beginning of last season, Otamendi. Of course. He's he's looking so good now, man. I think this the battle he had with Peter Musa was... Was, it was so lovely. It was like it was well fought, but ultimately Otamendi won. And I think for a long time now, he's looks like a very, very good defender. And I think we've both been waxed lyrical about Pepe and Quattas in the, in the past, but I feel like we've got to put Otamendi in the same bracket now. And uh, I'm not going to make you pick who's your favourite, but <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you know he's up there? Do you, do you not agree on that? I think he's. I mean, it's easy. I would I would pick Pepe easily, but just, you know, <laughs> that's a different discussion for another time. No, yeah, you, you're totally right, and I think. Benfica are looking much better defensively with him performing well and now also with Verissimo in the side performing well. I think, you know, the defensively they're looking much better. And it's an interesting point, Barney. It's obviously early days, but do you think Benfica have been overlooked by a lot of people, including ourselves? Because, you know, as I said, only three teams in Europe who've won every game so far, they're one of them. And yet I don't feel like Benfica started this season with a lot of belief behind them, either from their own fans or from neutrals like ourselves, I think I predicted them to finish third. I thought Porto and, and Sporting would, would finish above them. Long way of the season to go. But definitely, you know, they are the early pace setters. They are the team who won all the games, who are, who are really setting the pace in a division. Uh, and I'd be very interested to see how long they can keep it going, because at the moment, all the signs are very good. It's a really interesting one, because Jorge Jesus last season was so easy to criticise and so it, it looks so messy at parts in, in, in that squad and, and the attitude that some of the players had and et cetera, et cetera. But signings like Verissimo, signings like Jao Mario, signings like Jerem Shook, all his, mm. it seems to have com- completely changed the face. I, I, I've, they've, they're absolutely hot favourites for the league for me, I think, so far this season. They, they've really, really shown it. Definitely, definitely great signs of Benfica at the moment. Look, we've spoken about Benfica a lot, though, Barney. We have to mention Boa Vista, uh, or at the very least, that goal from Gustavo Sauer, who in the midst of a game where, in all honesty, both Fisto are probably going to get overshadowed, Sauer has managed to pull off one of the best finishes that we are going to see this year. An incredible long-range left-footed shot, which he curled into the top left corner uh, and left all of us absolutely stunned. Fantastic goal. Really deserves oh, credit. The same about um, a goal where they hit it first time, isn't it? And uh, uh... Oh, and it was just so nice. The ball was rolling the white way, so that when he hit it, he'd get the curl he needed. It was just what a hit and a great, you know, because he's been brilliant this season, hasn't he? And for him to have the belief and confidence to take that shot on in, in that situation, it was it was fantastic. I think Bovis looked quite all right. I know they got beat through on, but I thought that you know that they're, they're certainly looking good. I mean, there's players in there like you know the new players, Peter Musa. I really like the look of it. I think he's going to give a lot of defences in this league, a lot of, cause a lot of problems. And then I'd also like to see him play alongside Yusufa at some point as well when they're playing against a, a lesser team than Benfica. But then, you know, players like Perez, like Sal, we've just mentioned, really stepping up. And then um, it's a little confusing, Albert, because if, if you show me this squad on paper compared to how they started last season, there's no way I would have picked this squad to be performing better than them. But, they, you know, they, they, they seem far more balanced as a team. Um, and there's a lot of youthful players in that are looking to impress as well. And I think that's really helping them. Yeah, 100%. And they've definitely surprised all of us, I think, with the start to the season. 
that they've made. And I agree with you. It wasn't a disastrous performance by any means that, you know, they had one or two opportunities to get a second goal that I thought. And I do want to be fair and impartial because I think they should have been awarded a penalty when Makuta was brought down in the box. I forget the Benfica player, but I think the referee should have awarded a penalty then. And, you know, maybe they get a goal back in the game, but then differently. But uh, on balance, I think Benfica deserved the win. Uh, and I think it was a fair result. But yeah, look, Bovista couldn't replicate the magic of last season when they went to the Estadio de Luz and, and won 3 0 out of nowhere. But look, they've had a good start to the season and there will be there will be other games that that they perform better in and, and get more important points. So yeah, more to more to keep an eye on from them. Well, let's do the last game of the big three, Barney. Sporting beat Estriel 1 0 in a top of the table clash. Before the game, this was first versus second. Uh, and obviously it ended 1-0 in the end to the reigning champions after a penalty scored interestingly by Pedro Porro. Come on to that in a second. Not much in the game, I thought. Uh, Sporting looks relatively dominant. Deserved to win overall, in my opinion. And the key performance for me that I took from the game, Barney, was Paulinho. I thought he had another good game. Uh, and he's had a few good games recently. Had a couple of very, very good chances to score from open play. Uh, and even earned the penalty that Porro eventually scored. And... The only disappointment for me, Barney, was I don't really understand why he wasn't taking the penalty. Don't get me wrong. It was an excellent penalty from Poirot for he absolutely buried it. <laughs> but let's face it, Paulino is a striker. He's also the more senior player. Uh, and it was very interesting for me that, that that the pen wasn't taken by him and I thought it should have been his. And I think you make a really good point because Paulino was, you know, when he had his amazing season at Braga... It, a couple of seasons ago, he, he was on penalties then. He, he's obviously experienced in taking them. And, and let's not, you know, let's not be around the bush. The, the guy needs a bit of content. needs to score a few, get a few more goals in his belt. And I, I think it's a real strange one for me. I don't know who's, obviously, Amaran making the call. We've, we've seen Poro on free kicks and he's, he can obviously hit him and take him. But, you know, I, I would have definitely put Paulie near in that. Because a point I made last week when we were chatting to Jamie Farrow is that I feel like Sporting are becoming a little over-reliant on set pieces for their goals. And I, I, I don't know if I'm alone in having this before, but, you know, last season um, they were second in the league for shots per game. And so far this season, they're seventh behind Vitor Grimash, behind Santa Clara, behind Vizela. So they're not creating enough, I feel. There's something missing in this in, in this team. Sarabia and Nuno Santos, they didn't quite look as effective, which surprised me because I thought I really thought that combination would work as uh, in, in the wing-forward section. Yeah, I think we all hoped for good things from Sarabia and, and he showed some good promise in his early performances. Didn't quite click uh, in this game, but uh, I'm sure that will come. I was slightly disappointed to see Cabral dropped. Um, I would have liked to have seen him starting maybe over Nuno Santos, but again, it's quite difficult now to, to pick those wingers, as you say, because they've got a lot of quality in that area. And yeah, I agree with your earlier point as well about Paulinho. I think he needs, he needs that goal because I believe he's putting in very good performances uh, doing good things for the team and getting everything other than the finish. So it would have been nice to see him get uh, the goal, but also very good for my fantasy team that Pedro Porro got the goal. Uh, I'll just leave that one out there. <laughs> well, let's move on, Barley. Let's move a little bit further down the table and let's talk about Braga versus Tondela, the very last game of the week, the game that ended 3-1 to Braga. And listen, Barney, you wait 80 minutes for a goal and then four come along at once. <laughs> I've got to be honest. I, I I I didn't watch this game live. I, I watched the highlights, and then and then as the highlights kept going on and on, the minutes were creeping up and up, and I was like, "This game doesn't finish free one has." <laughs> yeah, no, no. It, it, in all seriousness, though, it did take a while for the game to kind of burst into life, but it really did. So, ten minutes to go, two goals from Luru Medeiros, one from 
uh, Ricardo Horta and a consolation from Dadashov for Tondela. Um, I feel like there was a little bit of grumbling online, Barney, from Braga fans, maybe as the game was sitting at nil-nil. A few people losing patience a little bit with Cavalier, perhaps. What do you think about that? Do you think that's slightly justified? I do, if I'm honest. I feel like um, I feel like they're in a bit of a stale situation at the moment. They can't seem to dominate games that we feel like they should do. I think this is a poor... They're coming up a poor Tondeo side, to be fair. And I think, um, you know, they did look a little laboured sometimes. They did look like they were... You know, they were just finding it hard to unlock the Tondeo defence. And I think... I, I don't like blaming players or saying they're not performing well enough, but I really feel like, you know, the, the two Braga forwards in, uh, in Abel Ruiz and, and Gonzalez, you know, they've only got one goal after six games and and that's just not good enough for them. I, Ruiz made some good runs in this game, created some good opportunities and good spaces, but, you know, I feel like you need a, your, your main man up top to be to be on fire and, and neither of them are at the moment. No, that that, that is true. Um, I will just say, I don't think that quite tells the full story of Mario Gonzalez's season, I think there's been a couple of examples of when, you know, he's created goals himself by taking on a shot. I think there was even an example of that in this yeah. game where his good work led to a goal. But no, I totally agree. You know, they were, those are two footballers signed to score goals um, and they haven't quite done that. But Braga, I really see one. I think we have talked about this before, Barney, but it does just seem like they're maybe stuck in a little bit of a rut and they're very kind of lim- limited in their ability to to progress uh, and do anything other really than 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 be a f- the fourth place team and you know I'm not sure quite what success would look like for them this season you know consolidating fourth place maybe a decent European run maybe a domestic cup would be good but that's pretty much what they did last year you know and it definitely feels like there's not really much room for improvement on that kind of given the budget that they've got the squad that they're working with the fact that they do need to sell players. Uh, every season so I, c- I can understand why there is a bit of frustration really and ultimately I think uh, Braga fans and, and probably neutrals too all they're looking for really uh, if they can't expect to 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 do as much as break into the top three it's just perform well in in in, in the games that, that you want them to perform well in and although of course you know the game did end 3-1 and they did get the result in the end th- th- there were times when they were struggling uh, in the game um, so I can understand a bit of frustration. But look, we've, we're talking quite negatively. They, there's plenty of positives in the game for them. And I think a really nice moment that, that it's worth talking about uh, is when Ricardo Horta topped off his 200th Premier League appearance uh, with his goal. And, you know, you'll remember early in the season, he signed that new deal with the club after turning down a, a very lucrative move to the MLS, you know, and, and, and someone like him in the side, he's definitely cementing his place as kind of, a modern day Braga legend, if you will. I think he's one of these players in this team who's who've been, always been consistently good. Before, always had, had you know performed, always performed well, and they need that, don't they? They need players like that, and hopefully, with the signings of Leighton, Shaquinho, Jan Kuto, I thought had a very good game, uh, and certainly seems to be an uplay on, on uh, Fabiano. I think they're fresh in the team. Uh, let's give them a bit of time, see how they gel, uh, uh, and if if it all comes off, you know. I, I, I personally think the squad is in a stronger place than last season and, and I, I, I think they, they, they can improve. Well, you mentioned Lou Medeiros, Barney. It is so hard not to love this guy. I mean, as you say, two goals this game. That's now three goals in four games this season. Uh, you mentioned that he's coming off the back of that really, really tough injury last year. And at 27 years old, I think it's really pleasing to see him hopefully 
getting settled in in a new home at Braga after you know let's face it being a bit of a journeyman for for most of his career so you know he's got that permanent deal with Braga he knows where his home is now and he's in a place where he seems to be performing really well under a manager who's prepared to trust him as well yeah Jeremy Darius needs his run of games now he needs to just keep building on these these brilliant performance and and because like you said, he's been a German, but like he's 27 now. He's not going to be getting a big move or anything like that. This this could be a really good home for him to have the, not the twilight of his career, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, have, have a, a really nice moment and just, just play his best football. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's a good sign so far. Plenty of goals and assists coming from Louis Rodriguez at the moment. What do you make of Tondela, Barney? Oh. They're on a really, really bad run of form at the moment. Rock bottom of the table, three points, minus five goal difference. They started the season off with a real a real positive buzz around them. You know, I think that was down to a few interesting signings that they made. I think myself, I was optimistic about what they could achieve under Yesteran, a manager I think is a very, very capable manager. But they conceded 12 goals so far. You know, they won that first game in the season. And since then, they lost every single game so far. Very, very worrying signs at the moment. Yeah, I just I just really can't work them out, Albert. I think um too often, I think there's um, perhaps a little bit too much tweaking going on with with, with this with the team with the starting eleven. But then also, you know, there's good players like you said who've, who've come in the summer. The, the, the young loan signings from uh, Sporting um, Benfica and uh, Thiago Dantas and Cresmo obviously hasn't quite worked out just yet. But there's a there's a lot of the season left to play. That's what they've got hope for. I think they've got hope for these players to to, to gel and and, and hopefully. It's, it's going to be survival again, isn't it, Al? It's going to be survival for them here. Yeah, and I think there is just a touch of disappointment that comes with that because, as I said, at the beginning of the season, there was just a little bit of hope about maybe they could do something uh, a bit different. But, alas, it doesn't seem like it's going to be the case this season. Well, look, let's do a couple more games before we finish, Barney. I want to do next Porto Menendez versus Santa Clara, a game that finished 2-1 to Porto Menendez, a team having a really, really good start to the season and this game was all about Willington Aponza who really burst onto the scene up front for them now obviously Beto was a massive loss uh, at the end of the summer transfer window they didn't sign an obvious replacement but it turns out they already have one ready to go waiting in the wings in Willington Aponza a 21 year old Colombian striker only played in Portugal since January 2020 and only signed to Porto Menendez's under 23 side in July this year, but he made a fantastic impact in his first game, a goal and an assist, similar attributes in his style to Beto as well, using his height uh, and his strength very well. I'm sure he's a player that you were very impressed with as well. It's funny, isn't it, the similarities between him and Beto and um, the fact that they both played, you know, because it wasn't a Ponzo at Percal, which is like in the regional league below the third tier, so before moving to uh, Porto then. So both having stints further down the leagues in Portugal, but the only thing I'd say different, Albert, to, that he has a better. He seems a bit more. He seems better on the ball. He, he, you know, a bit more confident, more, more likely to dribble, take a man on compared to Beto. But you know, the, in terms of his physicality, his presence up top, um, you know, the layoff for Lucas Fernandez's goal, um, the, the 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 finish for his, which was you know, a, a bouncing ball that not many people would have taken that shot on in that position. It was um, brilliant. I, I think it's a fantastic story. He looks like a really exciting player and. Um, just another example of Portuguese teams being able to pick out an absolute starlet from absolutely nowhere, let's be honest. Well, for, I'm sure there's a few of our listeners who, who didn't catch this game, so I do recommend watching the highlights of this one and, and watching that goal 
from Aponzo, as Barney says, lovely finish outside the box on the half volley, uh, which finds the bottom corner. Well worth looking up. Um, just before we move on from Aponzo, Barney, he got the figure of the week treatment from Jamie Farr, uh, our guest from last week, who who writes a weekly feature on Portugal.net, uh, highlighting one figure from the Premier League each week. So you can go read that piece and find it over on Jamie's Twitter. You mentioned Lucas Fernandes, Barney. Also excellent in this game. Interesting player because I feel like we didn't see that much of him last year. But, you know, he's been at Portimonense for a few years now. Playing more minutes this season. Looked really bright. A creative midfielder who who looked to make a lot happen. And took his goal very well. Again, another finish from outside of the box. And I think that capped off a really positive performance from him. Well, Fernandez is a really interesting one, isn't he? He had... Um... Because he had a, he suffered a crucial ligament injury last season, which meant he only played um, the first seven games, and then you know, but the two seasons before that, in this Portsmouth team, he was playing twenty seven games a season, twenty nine games a season, twenty nine games a season, and, and that was when he was you know twenty twenty one years old. He, um, I think he's been capped for the Brazil in the twenty three squad. So there's there's a real talent there, and I, and I think there's a lot of promise. I hope this injury has doesn't falter him, and because he's never had a high tally in terms of goals or assists but in, in the two seasons he, he has managed to get a lot of games and so I really hope this could be a season for him a sort of breakout season because he, he's certainly got the talent um, and uh, yeah I, I, I think definitely a player to keep an eye on we could see a lot more from him Well I think Portsmouth as a whole are, are a team that I'm sure both of us would encourage people to keep an eye on anyone who's listened to the show for a long time knows that we've both got a certain soft spot uh, for Portimonense, and I do just want to take a moment to pay kind of homage to their start to the season. They're currently in sixth place, 10 points, three wins so far this season. We both spoke about them a lot last season, praised them a lot, uh, but they kind of suffered from a very slow start, which meant they had a pretty unremarkable year. Um, but I think what we're seeing this season is them starting in the kind of form that they ended last season. Uh, and I really think they've got an underrated squad there. There's a lot of players uh, a lot of good, talented players who are often overlooked. You know, if you look at some of the, the members of this starting eleven, Samuel Portugal, the goalkeeper, a real gem who emerged last season out of nowhere, really. Fad Mufi, the right back, who was a very good, consistent performer last year. Willian, a very underrated centre back. Fali Kande at left back again, a player who you know you often see form of bottom ends. Lucas Fernandez, as we mentioned, Everton. Elton Morte, of course, a player that we mentioned all the time. So, you know, there are really, really talented players in that squad, players that we've praised last year. And I think they've actually done very well. Obviously, we talked about them losing Beto, but they've done very well to keep a lot of the really good performers who, especially at the back end of last year, were performing very well. And there's very good positive early signs. And if Portman can do something that they haven't done for many years, which is have a good start to the season and maybe keep that form going. This could be a positive season for them. Definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, you mentioned that the transfer they had, I think if you could, it's interesting to compare that to teams uh, who they finished around at the bottom of the table um, who have had ridiculous transfer windows in terms of the numbers of overall of players. But, you know, they've lost better. But apart from that, this team is very much intact. And, and then, you know, you bring in Nakajima, you bring in Pedro, who I who I did like when he was at Nacional last season. You bring in Wurton from Porto. These are good enough players to give this squad a, a bit more depth, a bit more um, a bit more quality. Certainly in Nakajima. Um, let's talk about Santa Clara, Barney. I mean, this is a team that we're used to talking about in a really positive way. We're used to talking about their success earlier in the season. We were talking about their games in Europe and how they were doing quite well there. They're really struggling now, and I'm I'm interested in in your thoughts about 
where those struggles are coming from because they're 15th in the table. They've only managed one win all season. Uh, they've lost four times, conceded 14 goals. This is a team that at the beginning of the season we had great hopes for, of having a good run in the Conference League and maybe even troubling in Europe again domestically this year. So it just seems way too oversimplified to say that this is down to them losing a player like Carlos Jr. in the transfer window. There seems like there's something else going on here. I think this is a an evolving Santa Clara team. I think there's, you know, we could have named their starting eleven for most of last se- season, certainly once Marito had arrived into that midfield. But now we're seeing a lot more rotation, um, younger players being given a chance, perhaps. I think um, Ricardinho, the, the number 98, who, who springs to mind, the, the, the midfield was completely different to any Santa Clara team I've seen so far. Uh, it's interesting you mentioned the rotation as well as a factor. I wonder whether that rotation has been... Uh, forced because of their involvement in Europe and now obviously that's come to an end I wonder if we will see start to see them kind of settle down more and kind of uh, grow into the season without that you know perhaps distraction uh, of Europe you could you could say so you know again it is early days so we'll wait and see uh, if things change for Santa Clara well let's just do one more game Barney before we wrap up let's talk about Aruka versus Victoria a game that ended 2-2 and a game I think you can only describe as in which Victoria let go of a 2-0 lead, a team who really just cannot catch a break at the moment. I said this on Twitter, Barney. Every time I feel like Victoria are improving under Pepper, they remind me of just how far they still have to go. We've mentioned it before, but I feel like there's a curse around this team, you know. <laughs> you have you have Kresman missing the tapping. Um, yeah. uh, Fernandez's mistake for the... Uh, one goal, Sacco missing the ball for the second, and you know, Trammell's not saving it. It's just like I don't know. I don't know if boys have pinned this down on the defense cell, but I think um no real reinforcements in the summer, apart from uh Brevkovich from you know a relegated rear av team who are, I know was suspended in this game, and I do think is better than Moomin and Fernandez, but it's not good enough. And I actually wanted to mention um Diego late out because do you not think it's quite damning that, that they couldn't get him in? I mean, obviously. Braga have got Europa League football. They're in a much stronger position than Vittoria, but it wasn't too long ago that, that Vittoria and Braga were much closer and a player, player like Diego Le would have had would have been a more difficult decision for him which team to go to. And Because I, I, I feel like stylistically Leite would fit much better into this Vittoria backline in Braga, but I just think it's, you know, there was no way they were going to get him. Uh, that's kind of hypothetical as well. They obviously didn't go in for Diego late, but also interestingly, they did. Uh, there were rumours that they went in for a centre back who Braga did end up getting. Oliveira, the centre back who ended up signing for Braga instead. And, and we know centre back is a problem position for them. I think Brevkovic is a good signing, and I agree that he's an improvement uh, on George Fernandez. When Brevkovic and Moomin have played together, they played four times together without conceding a goal. Uh, when George Fernandez has started for Victoria, he's played two games. And they've conceded three goals. And I think, you know, I don't want to dig out an individual player, but it goes it goes without saying that Fernandez had a, a really, really, really tough game. He was at fault uh, for the first Aruka goal and, and didn't look solid all night. But then, look, you can also say that there were positive signs in this game. I think it's clear to see uh, that Pepper is the right manager to get the best out of Marcus Edwards. And I think Edwards' link up with Koreshma is looking very positive. You know, that first goal and, and you know, the missed second opportunity, the now infamous missed second opportunity, you know, it does show that there's good link up there. I mean, I was thinking it's incredible, Barney, that 
there was a point last season when Edwards was was Raul Henrique's fourth choice winger. I mean, you look at the talent this boy's got. If you if you can't get the talent out of him, that's you know, that's your fault. But maybe Vittorio will kind of rue certain sliding doors moments. The chance for Cresmus to make it 2-0 inside seven minutes. You know, if that goes in, they're 2-0 up at halftime. Thiago Silva kills the game dead, making it 3-0 with 20 minutes to go rather than 2 now. As it happens, he missed the chance. They have a 2-0 lead with 20 minutes to go. And defensive weaknesses let them let him down. So, you know, difficult game for them. Some positive signs, but I think, yeah, the take-home message here is that that defence is is not strong enough uh, at the moment to, to see them where they want to be. In contrast, though, Barney, one of our favourites, Abdullah Bar, I thought had a very good game at centre-back for Aruko. I've got a couple of stats here. One chance created, completed 10 out of 20 long passes from centre-back, eight recoveries, uh, and one shot blocked, two out of three aerial drews one. You know, a player who's kind of come in with very little fanfare uh, on a free transfer from Warrens. Uh, and I thought he was a very good performance. A good result overall for Aruka, who, you know, actually the start of their season is looking pretty decent now for a team I think a lot of people thought would struggle. 13th in the table, five points from the last four games is not too shabby at all. Uh, and they will be delighted uh, with the result, even if it was kind of handed to them on a plate by Victoria's defender. Just quickly on that, Barra, but if he's like six foot seven, isn't he? So he should be yeah. winning three out of three aerials, not just two <laughs> out of three. But, <laughs> um, no, but I think um, I, th- I think credit to Rook as well. I think um, when um, Pite and um, Asensio came on um, with half an hour left to play, that that gave them more edge, isn't it? More purpose in the attack, and because um, they hadn't, they really hadn't looked like doing much before that. And I think um, Andre Silva, the striker. Um, really benefited from them to coming onto the pitch because, you know, he had a few more chances. He, he started to look at going. And I think um, I really like the look of him. I think uh, uh, he looks like a, he could be a good striker in this league. I think um, he was at Rio Ave a few years ago, but um, only got two sub appearances in the league. But he got he got 10 goals for Ruka last season. So he's certainly one to keep an eye on. Just, yeah, just they do have some good attacking talent, I think. They do. And of course, one of those attacking talents that we should just give a quick mention to uh, is Ode the Bag. Uh, scorer of Aruga's first goal and the first homegrown Palestinian footballer to play and also, I imagine, score in an elite European league. Signed this summer from uh, Kuwaiti champions Al Arabi, only 22 years old. Uh, and a really interesting story. If you want to read more about Oredeberg's story, there's an excellent article on Jacobin magazine on their website. If you if you Google him, I'm sure it will come up. Uh, very well taken goal. And 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 yeah, yeah, really kicked off that that comeback for Aruka. Right, well, there you have it. Our weekly roundup of the games in the Premier League this week. That was a bit of an intense one, Barney. So, thank you for any listeners who stuck with it. Uh, it was quite intense, but so much great football to talk about this week. And yeah, I think it sets us up really nicely uh, just before we go to recommend some games of the week that we recommend watching uh, at the weekend coming up. So. Barney, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, any game particular standing out from this weekend schedule? Oh, I quite like the Friday night with um, Sporting player Maritimo and uh, Gil Vicente hosting Porto, but um, I think it's Saturday, 6 o'clock, Victoria, Grimarash versus uh, Benfica. I think that could... Uh, everything seems to be pointing towards Benfica smashing them. I don't know if Pe- Pepper might have signed up his sleeve. You know, they, Edwards could dazzle or something like that. Uh, that. That could be an exciting game. A little bit of Eduardo Corregimo magic. Yeah, that definitely looks good. Well, I'm interested in that one, but the game that I'm going to recommend to people, Barney, is the following day on the Sunday. And we're looking at 
Porter Menendez versus Vizela. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I called out Vizela versus Tondela as the Portuguese football hipster derby. Porter Menendez versus Vizela is definitely the local <laughs> football hipster derby. Two teams that we love talking about uh, lower down the table. That's at 8.30 on Sunday night. And I think that's definitely going to be uh, a game that I keep an eye on. Well, look, I think that's about all we've got time for this week. We'll, of course, be back next week. Uh, with another Primera Liga roundup, maybe chatting about a little bit of European football and any other prevalent news that's going on in Portuguese football. Just a reminder as well, if you do have any opinions on our uh, special European bonus show, do let us know because it's something we're considering doing uh, after next week's European football. So give us a shout if you think that's something that you might enjoy listening to. Maybe on a Saturday morning, cup of coffee, reading the newspapers and a long ball football uh, on the on the radio I should just mention we are now on Amazon podcast so if you say to your Alexa Alexa play long ball football it probably won't work but it's worth a try anyway <laughs> well that is all we've got time for this week if you want to contact the show we're on Twitter at long ball football so come and give us a follow drop us a message or a comment and get involved uh, we do get involved with everybody who sends us a message or a comment or something like that you can email us if you want to, if you like we're on long ball football at gmail.com and if you enjoyed listening to the show we'd be very grateful if you could leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts or just send a podcast to a mate who you reckon might enjoy it well look we're going to leave it there for this week it just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week yeah see you next week